so a little bit more about the mess. Um, you know, the, because I'm a mess and this is a class, some of my mess is gonna rub off on you, okay? But um, this is also interactive, which means you're with me. So if you've brought any mess, um, that's gonna rub off on me and it's gonna rub off on each other. So this is gonna be a very messy time. Um, The subject is also messy. We're gonna talk a little bit, just a teensy bit in five weeks about counseling. And uh, modern clinical secular counseling is doing everything it can to take the mess out of counseling. Uh, for a long time, the, the uh, psychiatric community and research communities have hoped that they might find um, the pill that would solve all of our uh, internal, emotional, psychological, relational problems. And uh, maybe not one pill, but a dozen or a thousand pills that somehow they believe that the mess that we all experience in our lives would be fixable if we could change body chemistry. Um, and there's some good pills out there. Some of us are very thankful for them. Um, but um, the pills don't solve everything. They don't begin to scratch when we really look at human suffering and the problems we have just being with ourselves in our own skin or being with other people or being with God. Uh, the, the pills that we've got don't, don't begin to scratch it. But there still is that effort. We could, if we could just clean things up, if we could give everybody the necessary, we could just find out what was wrong with your genes, we could fix it. The other reason though that modern clinical uh, um, secular counseling wants to get rid of the mess is because mess is very expensive. Um, mess, uh, as we experience it in, with relationships with other people, um, that takes a lot of time to sort of sort out. And, you know, if you go to see a counselor, somebody's got to pay. And in our culture, usually who pays? Well, you pay, the insurance company pays, everybody pays. But one of the big drivers in secular clinical counseling is we got to keep the costs down. And the way to do that is by keeping the time down. So it's very important that your mess gets dealt with in the smallest possible package which has led to a whole change in the way that, that people experience counseling when they go to a clinical setting. Um, no longer do they go to psychoanalysis that takes years. Now they go to, what's the latest, see if I can get this acronym right, um, um, solution-focused brief therapy. That's it, solution-focused brief therapy. This is the latest thing that insurance companies love because um, it's brief, which means that they're not gonna have to pay out that many premiums, uh, and it's solution-focused, and I mean, why would you go to counseling if you didn't want a solution, if you didn't want it fixed? They have a very neat way of doing that, though. Um, to do solution-focused brief therapy, um, there's, there's only certain things you can talk about. You can only talk about one problem at a time. And I'd have to ask you, 
if, if in your life, do you only have one problem at a time? Um, you know, I don't. Um, there, maybe I only have one problem, but bring me alongside of my wife, and now we've got three problems. So it's really difficult to, to narrow things down to just talking about one problem at a time. And the other thing they found is they found that there are series of questions that when, they, when a counselor asks them, they seem to have better results. So you can only ask those questions. So you can only talk about one topic at a time, and there's only certain questions. So it's, you know, um, I grew up in an environment where, where counseling was supposed to be about a relationship, you know, and, and good counseling was developing a good relationship between the counselor and the counselee. More and more the tendency is to say, no, the, counts, the, the, the relationship is going away in, in modern clinical counseling, and it's more like, you know, how long do you get to spend with your PCP? How long are you allotted to go see your, your doctor? My insurance company says 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And, you know, um, if you apply that rule to counseling, Freud's 50-minute hour uh, just got hammered into less than half. The idea that, that there's no time for a relationship, the humanity is, will be more and more getting sucked out of counseling, uh, out of clinical secular counseling, and uh, in an effort to clean things up, to make everything nice and tidy. Um, so we could get rid of some of the mess if I was gonna talk to you about clinical secular counseling, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna talk to you about Christian counseling or biblical counseling, as uh, some of us prefer to call it. And in biblical counseling, we're gonna leave the mess in. A good deal of the mess is gonna stay because we don't believe that our problems are that easily fixed. We believe that our, you know, our problems at, at root, and we'll be unpacking this in the next five weeks, you know, if, you, if you trace back the things that we actually struggle with, they, you trace it back far enough and you get back to, um, you get back to our hearts where um, the problem is that um, our, 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 our first ancestors decided the way to live life was to be your own God. Uh, we'll be as God, determining good and evil. We'll take that place, and in our, in our hearts, at some sense, there's always that drive, the drive to, for ourselves to be uh, our own God, our own determiner of right and wrong. And from a biblical point of view, you kind of get the sense that that's got to be, that's got to go wrong from, from the very beginning. Um, but that's going to be messy to unpack. It's not something we're going to even do in five weeks. Um, even in counseling, it usually takes more than five weeks just to, just to get, the, to get the, 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 the right picture in the frame. Um, it, it, it takes some time. That means it takes some mess. So, so hope, you're, hope you're ready oh, to, to get a little messy. Oh, another reason is because ultimately it's the Word of God that, that corrects our mess. But for the Word to correct our mess, it has to do surgery. And so God's Word being uh, sharp and powerful uh, is going to do some cutting. And so counts, biblical counseling isn't always going to feel just really rosy. It's, if, if, if God 
says there's something wrong in your life, you're probably not going to say, I was just waiting for you to come along and tell me that. You know, often we have a fight with God, and we may have that fight in the counseling room um, uh, because uh, our hearts <laughs> really don't want to submit uh, to God. So, so there's going to be, you know, in your own life, if, if, uh, if you're involved in, in, in biblical counseling, there's going to be some mess. Um, but our God is the God who cleans up messes and who's not afraid to get into them. He went to the bottom of the pit for us that he might clean us up, not fix us up, but make us new creatures uh, for his glory and his image uh, and for our good. So that's where we're going. Any questions? Okay. Um, now, I said I'm a mess, but uh, I am. Things are looking up for me, and uh, I just wanted to share that with you. Things are really looking up. Um, on the 3rd of January, I had 10 students, and I had 10 students for three weeks. That was my thing. But today, I don't know. I'm a, I, got, I got 30 students, I'd say, you know, here. And I got you for five weeks, so, so you get the picture, you know, things are looking up for me, you know, I, I'm getting a little more on my resume here. Um, but I got to tell you this one thing. <sighs> I'm sorry. I would rather be teaching at Indian Bible College than sitting here. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one was that, that although I only had 10 students, we all sat around a gigantic conference table. It was like taking four or five of the, you know, uh, fold-up tables that we use and putting them all together, and everybody is like all huddled up around this table. And I can see not only the eyeballs um, and the expressions of the people, I can, tell whether, I can tell whether they're with me or not because they're so close. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking out, and I, can, I recognize most of your faces, <laughs> but, you know, I, I can't quite tell if you're awake or asleep. So, so you know, in, in one sense, I would much rather be in an environment where, where we were all huddled up, uh, you know, closer together. And I don't know what to do about that because we believe in uh, the free rights of man to sit wherever you want. Um, and we would never want to embarrass anybody by make, making them sit, although I did, did say that, that the students who had to sit on my right hand and my left, they were guaranteed an A. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, so, um, uh, it, it, oh, the other, the other reason that was so great was that, that not only could I tell if I was just sailing right over their heads, uh, as I often did, uh, but they could also engage one another. The discussions, um, I was astounded, frankly, at how much discussion we had um, because they could see each other, they could talk to one another, they could interact, they could throw ideas back and forth. So it was a very collaborative kind of experience. And, and I, just, I just loved that. It made teaching, I only teach half the time because they did the other half, so it was really great. So, so I'm not saying that anybody should move. Um, uh, but um, I, I will say that um, 
you'll, you'll, you'll have a much better experience um, if we make more than eye contact. So anybody wants to move now, that's fine. Anybody wants to stay where you are, this is, uh, this is a free country. So enjoy, enjoy what it is. Um, Bless you, my son. You had an A, and your, lo and your lovely assistant gets an A+. Plus. Uh, okay. Um, so what am I doing up here? How did I get here? Um, when I was teaching Introduction to Biblical Counseling to 10 Native Americans from, I think, eight different tribes, um, around this big table. Um, the reason we were doing that was to give them tools that they could take back to their communities to relate to people in their native communities who were struggling with the difficulties of life. Um, sometimes they're the difficulties as, as on the, the res very often, it's the difficulties of somebody has done something to you. Somebody has sexually abused you. Somebody has physically abused you. Somebody has verbally put you through the ringer. Um, uh, somebody has stolen your stuff. Um, you can't get medical care. Um, often the, the problems that you have to deal with are the ones that come to you from outside. Um, but sometimes the problems are the ones that come from inside. Um, fear, anger, depression, um, the things that stir up as an individual encounters a world that doesn't make sense, a difficult world. Um, and sometimes the problems that, that they address are the problems that we create for ourselves because of either those things that are happening to us on the outside or the things that are being stirred up inside. Uh, for instance, um, uh, sleep disorders, eating disorders, uh, sexual disorders, um, addictions uh, of, of all sorts, things that we're doing but they're, they're, they're harming us even though they, they might seem like they were a good way to make things things work. So, so on on the reservations, there's there's these loosely grouped three kind of categories: things from the outside, things from the inside, and the things that we do um, to make life work. Um, and the thought was. Um, Counseling wants to help, secular counseling wants to help with all those things, or with many of them at least. Um, but on the reservation, one of the huge problems, there's two huge problems. One is that for many people within a reservation, care, whether it's mental health care or physical health care, is like three plus hours away. And that's if, that's if your truck or your car uh, is actually running that day. Um, and, and so that's a problem, how do you, it's, it's, a, it's a major effort, and sometimes it just is too much effort to go get care. The, the other problem is that um, often <clears throat> the, the health care and the mental health care that's offered on uh, reservations in America 
uh, provided by the United States government in the form of the Indian Health Service is simply pathetic, is simply abominable, is simply, it would not be tolerated in the poorest parts of Seattle. Um, and um, if you go on their websites uh, uh, to find out, you know, what, what kind of care can you get at an Indian, Indian health service hospital or clinic, um, and you might think, here's a description of all the things we do, you might find that, but mostly what you find on those websites is they are um, employment ads, desperately trying to get people to convince them to come and to work in a reservation environment. So the, one of the Indian Health Services that's nearest to Flagstaff, its big pitch is come and work, we've got great people, and skiing is only 30 minutes away. I kid you not. Um, that, that kind of theme is the recreational ex opportunities throughout Southwest America are just awesome. So, um, and, and then uh, the, other, the other thing about it is that, that uh, because the biggest health problem, because health problem in, in Native American culture is addiction, uh, largely alcohol, but also um, other chemical dependencies, that that's the biggest health problem and mental health problem, then often the best you hope to find is, is uh, some way of trying to get you off of your addiction of choice. The only problem is um, you should never take away a man's crutch until you teach him to walk. And so if you get somebody off of drugs but haven't given them a vision for how that life can work without drugs, choo, right back in the system again. Um, so it's, it's a revolving door. Um, some really great providers uh, in, in the Navajo reservation say, you know, we've got resources here, but you have to want them. You have to be willing to come and take them. You have to be willing to submit to it. So, so why don't I go off on that big old thing? Uh, partly because I'm a mess, but, but also because these are the opportunities that these Native American Christians, committed Christians, had the privilege of te teaching, um, have the opportunity to go back and speak uh, into people's lives. Um, what we were training them to do is not clinically trained counseling, but biblically informed counseling trying to help them to understand how the truth of Scripture can be applied to their own lives, uh, their own struggles, but also be something that's shared with others. Um, and uh, and that's, a huge, that's a huge issue. We weren't going to begin to cover that in three weeks. But we could make a start, and we could begin to show a path of what this would look like uh, for folks to come with a gospel that speaks to the whole human being, that, that proclaims a restoration of fellowship uh, to the living and true God, the Creator, as often Native Americans understand Him to be. Um, but in that restoring fellowship with Him, that then He also renews that life. He gives, by His Spirit, gives resources for dealing with um, with the struggles that, that come up in life. So the goal was to help folks begin to realize 
that they could come alongside of someone else in their community to encourage them, uh, to guide them, even, heaven forbid, to correct them, uh, but not because they had uh, some long list of, of initials after their name, but because they knew the living and true God and they had personally in their own life experienced his power. Um, that was the goal, and that's the prayer. And uh, if we get to do that again next year, um, hopefully we'll, we'll put some more nails in that building. <clears throat> now, all of that is just a preview of, or, or it's where my thinking came from uh, to, to begin to wonder about this. Um, it's clear that, that the gospel is needed on American Reservation and that it speaks to um, all of one's life. And the question was, I wondered whether is, is Ascension Presbyterian Church and, and us as members of it, is, is this a place where um, there's a need for uh, some of us to bring the fullness of the gospel close to another person's life, to help them uh, discover um, salvation, to discover the beauty of Christ, to discover the joy and freedom that comes from living a life that's lived uh, under the guidance and the correction and the encouragement of God through his word. So I was wondering, is, is this the kind of place where there'd be a need for that? Or is this a place where, um, no, it would be kind of like um, teaching an introduction to uh, counseling class and teaching that to graduate students at SPU or something like that. It would be, you know, really don't need that, maybe a nice review, but, you know, we're, Ascension is the kind of place where we really have got it all together, right? And so there's, there's no, we've already got it, so it would be redundant to, to redo it, to give it again. Um, so th there's that question. Um, is, this, is, is Ascension the kind of a place where biblical counseling um, is needed? And then the other side of that question would be whether ascension is the kind of a place where people are, if there was a need, where people are equipped to come alongside someone else uh, in, in developing a relationship, a personal relationship that is, it's like a three-way stool. There's, there's the, the person with the problem there's the person who wants to help, and there's the Bible. Three legs that need to come together if biblical counseling is gonna happen. So, so the question then would be, um, is there not only a need, but, but do we have, uh, are we the kind of people who could do that? Are those the kind of people here? Or are we the kind of people who would want to do that, for whom that would be an appealing thing that that it would be safe, it would be safe, it would be safe to say, I'm a mess. And it would be safe to say, I, I hear you and I see you in your mess. 
um, can I help and see what God would do? So that's the question behind my mind, and by doing what I want to do for the next five weeks, I just want to, uh, I'd, I'd like to keep that question before you, to that two-sided question, um, is there a need, and are we the people who, who can or want to fulfill that? Uh, and if so, then I think if the answer to those two questions is yes, then I think we can have a party. Then I think something can happen something that will not be because, we, um, because we're clinical counselors. Um, it won't happen because we're even experts in biblical counseling. It'll happen simply because God delights uh, to heal his people, and he delights to use his people to do that. So, so think about that as we, as we trudge through the mess for the next several weeks. But if if that question is rattling back around in the back of your mind, what are some lessons that would be helpful uh, to, to ground us in, in being bold uh, to come alongside somebody who's struggling? And so I'm going to tr try to, to put out some, some lessons that might be helpful. Um, and if you've got something that you're curious about, uh, pardon me, please, uh, shoot me an email if you'd like us to incorporate that in, the, in here somewhere, and I'll, I'll see what I can do. So anyway, the lesson for today is, is this one, and it's this. Even counselors need counseling. Um, in secular counseling, counselors don't necessarily need or get counseling, but they do get training. Um, they get continuing education, and you've always got to be doing your continuing education credits um, in order to keep your license active. Um, you also are growing in the ability, learning the latest treatment options, improving your skills, learning how to take care of yourself as a counselor. Um, so there's, there's input that's coming, uh, even in secular counseling, but in biblical, in, in, in a biblical model, um, the reason counsel, the, the simple reason that counselors need counseling is that the biblical model is that all of us are growing uh, in Christ, are growing in love with Christ. Our love is growing, our relationship to Christ is growing. Um, I forgot where I put it. Um, just one passage that came to my mind in this, that, that we're all in this progression of, of seeking maturity in Christ, that none of us have, have ourselves anchored, you know, and, and we've arrived and therefore we have, we've earned the right to tell other people what to do. Um, uh, Ephesians 4:11, if I can make my eyes see my Bible. Um, You know, this, this extended passage is, is well worth um, thinking about. But, um, you know, God's purpose for us uh, in, in giving uh, apostles and prophets, evangelists, teachers uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and that ministry is building up of the body of Christ 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And then to sum that up, what that is is mature manhood, mature personhood, mature adulthood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so the context that we're coming from is not that, you know, here's some poor, really messed up people, uh, and we are going to come from our high position of, of power and authority and grace and come down to them, but rather we're all on this upward journey. And so uh, we're, we're simply inviting others to come along with us in that journey uh, r rather than, um, than to say, we've got what it is that needs to fix you, which means that if I'm on the journey, then I need to start from the, the sense of that, that I'm growing in this, which means um, if I'm going to be talking to somebody, I need to have a lot of humility uh, because they may look more messed up on the outside than I do, but I'm probably more messed up on the inside than they are. So the need for the, the, the process of change and growth um, is, is what God's ordained for us, uh, and, uh, and, and all of us are on that path. And again, this is something that that's the, the whole body engages in. It's not that, that uh, you know, there are a few trained counselors. Um, I love trained counselors. Um, I've benefited much by trained counselors, but the, the import, there's something for all of us to do. And so uh, I'm thinking just here of the extended passage in Hebrews uh, 10, um, um, or Hebrews 11. Is it Hebrew 11? No, 1025. Where is that? Am I in Hebrews? Um, yeah, in um, Hebrews beginning in, in 1019, um, the, the idea that uh, we have confidence um, uh, to enter the holy places in, by, by Christ to a new life, a new way that's been opened up to us. Um, and um, we, we're, we're, we're holding fast to, to our hope. What is it we're really hoping is not that we're necessarily going to have a happy life, um, not necessarily that, that uh, everything will be the way that we wanted it, um, but we have a hope that our life is, is, is um, held together with God. Uh, and so we consider how to stir up one another uh, to love and to good works, which is simply that's what... Um, a growing life is. Uh, it's not a life that's free of pain, but it's a life that's growing in, in love and service of one another because we know of our, the connection that we have, have to Christ. So, so here's this, here's this, this, this uh, path of growth that, that we're, all, we're all involved in, and it's out of that, that progression that we that we 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 are bold enough to speak to someone else. So counselors do need counseling, uh, and by God's grace, you get counseled from the Word on a regular basis through preaching, through your own study of the Word, through community groups, uh, through other ways that you talk things over. Um, but it's not just in this. It's not just theoretical. It's uh, w w these these things. Uh, they. They are to impact our life, um, and, and we encourage one another as we, as we do that. Let me give you a picture of this. I stole this picture, and here I could use some 
help passing these sheets out. For I don't know how many I've got there. Uh, maybe I got enough. I stole this sheet from um, a group that is very impactful in my own life. Uh, used to be called World Harvest Mission. Now is called Surge. And um, I uh, I stole this, this chart with permission. Um, because it, 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 it points out the problem that I just want to underline here for a minute. And the, the problem is this, that um, in the first picture of the chart, you see a picture of what happens when, when somebody comes to Christ. And there's three things that are at work. When somebody comes to Christ, they're aware of their own sin. They're aware that, uh, that they're... They're aware of their own sin, they're aware of the holiness of God, and they're aware of, of the fact that um, God is of pure eyes and to behold iniquity, that God, um, God judges sin, but that he's provided a savior to, as it were, bridge the gap between our sinfulness and God's holiness. And it's because of the work of Christ uh, that, we're, that we're saved. He covers up uh, all of our sin, and makes us then acceptable to God. And as we, as we grow, as time goes on, you know, you, you begin to understand more and more about the holiness and the beauty of God, His greatness, His, his, uh, his, his purity is, is beyond comprehension. So you begin to know more about this, that God, God is, is not to be messed with, that it's serious. But at the same time, you also, you know, as you go along, you begin to see, boy, I fall farther and farther short of that. But as you go along and become more aware of your own sin and also more aware of the holiness of God, the good news is that you're also more and more aware of, of how great is the work of Christ, that he bridges that gap, that he's the one who allows the sinner to be in the presence of God, uh, blameless and faultless, uh, because um, Christ has taken away his sin and, and Christ's perfect righteousness has been applied to him. So the longer you go in time, three things change. You know you're a bigger sinner. You're not a smaller sinner. Uh, you know that God is more holy, and you know that you owe Christ so much more than you thought at the very beginning. That's the way it's supposed to work. Um, Unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. In fact, probably most of us could say, yeah, that in some sense it doesn't work that way. And the way that it doesn't work is in the next picture there. That over time, um, we may become more aware of God's holiness or more aware of our sinfulness, but somehow the way that we think of Christ didn't change. It kind of stayed the same. And so, what do you do with that when you realize, wow, um, i got to deal with this really holy God, and I've got this really messy backpack of sin that I'm, you know, carrying around. Well, there's, there's two things that happen, and you can scribble this in in those dark triangles at the top or the bottom, and it doesn't really matter where you put them, but, but there's two things that fundamentally we do. One is, is we... As we're going along, we, we, you know, we've been Christians for X times 20 years, and we may become a little bit proud of ourselves and our accomplishments. And so pride in our own accomplishments begins to fill that gap between we're trust, sort of trusting in Christ and our own 
sense of our own accomplishments. We've got this kind of to boast on. And uh, when we do that, um, we may then look down at other people. We may, you know, I'm higher than they are, and they're really down there. That's that pride factor working. Um, we may find in conversations that we want to be quick to talk about how much we've done for Christ, you know, how much better we are. We've, we've, we not only got our stuff in a pile, but we know where it is. And uh, so we begin to fill that gap uh, with, with, with ourselves, with our own pride. Um, on the other hand, though, um, if we see our sin and, uh, and don't go the pride route, we have to go the shame route, which is the more and more we see our sin, the more we draw back, we draw into ourselves, we, you know, we're not worthy. So, in the congregation of, of, the, of the saints, we may kind of pull back out of fellowship because we're, we're, it looks like everybody else here has got their stuff together and they know where it is, but I haven't even started to get my stuff together. So, so it kind of, of shame begins to take out. And so I'm trusting in Christ, but there's, it's like, here's this old pile of stuff that I've got going that, that um, he's not covering. And, uh, and so I've got to kind of bear that. And the result is then that I, I, uh, I, I shut down and turn away. Um, what are you going to do about that? What's the solution to that? Some people try harder. I'm just going to try harder. I know my life is a mess, but I got this really great book, and I'm going to read it, and, and I'm going to study it, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll do better. So it isn't that Christ necessarily becomes any greater, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix up. I'm going to become more like God. And I'm really going to work hard at this and, and do this. And, you know, some people in Seattle are pretty good at that. Uh, I know a lot of people who, you know, every book that comes down the pike, they've learned something from it, and they're better. And they're examples to those uh, um, people who are messes like me, you know, going along. Um, I know people in churches like that. But I also know what happens when that doesn't work. Um, you try harder, and you read that latest book, and you know, you're still yelling at your wife. You know, you're still struggling with pornography. You're still zoning out during worship. And you say, well, that didn't work. You know, how many books do I have to read before I'm going to find one? That so we end up you know, back going the other way, but instead of just having shame, some of the things we do is we downplay it. You know, how often we say, well, you know, yeah, we're all, we're all messes, you know, we're all just struggling, it's just, it's no big deal, sin is sin, you know. Um, so we kind of minimize it and, and cross our fingers, hope for the best. Or we blame somebody else for it. We're struggling with the fact that we don't measure up, but we'll, uh, you know, it was my parents' fault. Um, you know, they didn't give me a good start, or my, my spouse is just impossible to live with, and nobody, you know, no wonder I'm a mess, you know. Um, uh, um, insanity is inherited, you get it from your kids. Um, um, so, so that idea of blaming someone else. So there's all kinds of things that we end up doing um, 
at the same time as we're Christians who are anchored in Christ, but the one thing that we haven't done, and this is where I'll stop, is we haven't gone back to see the greatness of Christ, to see that He is the solution uh, for our problems. And, and uh, uh, the, the, the holiness, if we got that right, the sin we got right, but we need to take another look at how great is the love of Christ for us. Um, practical story, you may think this is nuts, but um, often in, in, in counseling with somebody where this seems to be the kind of framework, uh, I give them 10 scripture passages that talk about uh, the love of Christ for us and the sufficiency of His work and tell them to stop doing their, um, their daily devotions, to stop doing their BSF, to stop doing reading the latest book, and just to really sink down and soak into um, some of these passages that uh, just focus on, on God's love for sinners, for who we are. And, you know, it sounds crazy, uh, but um, sometimes people's lives start getting better. Uh, and their joy level may improve, their arrogance may go down, and their willingness to say, I'm a mess, uh, also grows uh, all to the praise of God. So, um, if you need counseling, join the club. Uh, God is the God who, who loves uh, to, to give it and would love to use you to encourage one another to a life of faith. Let me pray.